calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Welcome to Frau Pow, we're your hosts, Autumn Rags. So this week we are interviewing Demanda. She is a TikTok connoisseur. She sends me lots of good TikToks. She is a hot dog lover, our favorite extrovert, and she is a doctoral intern at a college counseling center. She just finished her PhD in counseling psychology, and uh, she's really great, and we wanted to talk to her about um, managing your mental health during a pandemic, and then also um, managing your mental health in regards to all of the police brutality and violence against marginalized peoples that have been um, in the news and media uh, so much lately. Okay, so tell us about yourself. Okay, I am Demanda Slappin. I am a transplant to New Jersey. I've only been here for like eight or nine months um, from the Midwest, from the Kansas City area. Um, and I am almost a psychologist. I'm like so close. I'm finishing up my training. So that is really exciting. Um, yeah. And then you'll, are you so officially close. a doctor yet or do you have to wait until you finish your like licensed stuff? 
Yeah. So I still have to wait till I finish my license stuff. So I will just have all like the degree work and like clinical experience, but then I'll still need like 2000 hours supervised and then licensed. So I still have a little ways to go. So it's like a tiny milestone before some more hoops I have to jump through. I mean, I'm glad to hear that everyone like psychologists are so thoroughly trained, but seems like excessive. Yes. It, takes it, it does seem excessive. <laughs> um, how would you do like 2000 supervised hours during like a pandemic? A lot of it right now is telehealth. And so it would all be like over video or phone. Um, we're, we're starting to do like group therapy and different things like that again. And I know they're trying to do like assessments and stuff through telehealth, but it's like a huge like change in our field. And it's probably really going to drastically change how we do a lot of things for good and bad things, I think. What are some of those like changes that you are starting to see? I think some of the good changes is that it's just making mental health more accessible. I know a lot of people in like the disability communities have been saying, you know, we could have been doing telehealth a lot sooner and it would have been a lot easier to have therapy (laughs) over long distances or in like rural areas. Um, So I think it's making mental health a lot more accessible to people. But I think right now we're in that period where it's trying to adapt. And so there's going to be a lot of like glitches and things we haven't thought about, but we're trying to adapt in the moment to kind of as things are changing. And so it's exciting, but it's also probably going to be kind of awkward and have glitches like anything else um so you do work on a college campus um i mean how has that changed the ways that you work with your own clients yeah um i think a big thing that we've been talking about recently is that but the ideal situation clinically is to be able to see someone over video and really get that data of like what do they look like how are they doing But when someone is in their home, you're kind of looking at their room or what their living environment is like, what their family is like. And that's a different kind of boundary and different kind of privacy for students. And so I think it's hard in wanting to see them and know how they're doing, but not wanting to violate their privacy and make them feel like we have to be let into their home. And they're also like coming into our homes in that way. And so um, it's just kind of a weird, weird thing that's new to this situation. I feel like with students, it adds like an extra level of difficulty because some parents might not know that their child is seeking mental health services at school, especially at least I don't know what New Jersey's like, but in New York, if you're a university student, um, you can like use their services without touching your health Mm -hmm. insurance. So, I mean, that must also add like a certain level of just anxiety for them to talk about it and it might be much harder for them to open up because they're sharing a space with all these people who are walking back and forth or doing stuff and they might not necessarily know that they're seeking mental health. Yeah, that's come up a lot. Like I've talked to a lot of students like from their car, like in their backyard or like going on a walk or they may suddenly like hang up or mute themselves and I think it's just kind of knowing that that's going to happen and really respecting like we want you to be safe um, and talk to us if you can. But if that's not feasible or we have to be creative in how we do that, then I think we need to meet them where they are and be able to do that. I mean, how do you feel about how things have been going in terms of like treatment with your clients? Like, Do you feel like you're able to like engage with them in the same sorts of ways? I think for me, it was really hard at first 
just over the phone, like not having those visual cues, being able to see how people are doing. Um, and like as a therapist, like there's always times where people are going through the same things you're going through, or like it may bring up something for you. But right now it's like everyone is going through a lot of the same things, maybe not to the same degree, but it's harder. It was harder to give like words of comfort or advice for how to adapt and um, get used to how things are now when I'm going through the same thing. And I don't know what my schedule looks like or how I'm going to adapt to like being home and social distancing. So I think that that was like my biggest challenge at the beginning. Um, so how and you talked a little bit about this, like in terms of how the field is changing. But how do you think that um, the field has been impacted? The field of mental health has been impacted uh, by the pandemic. I know that, uh, you know, thinking about sort of like the invisible front line um, that people mean or may not like acknowledge is like a huge part, um, I think, of the healthcare system in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that part's been really helpful in staying connected with colleagues and coworkers because that's a huge part of like mental health treatment is supervision and consultation and constantly talking about what can I do better and reflecting on how am I doing? How is that impacting the work? Like that's constant, but when you're not in person at work, you don't have that same support. Um, and so I think it's been really helpful just to stay connected to coworkers and still do those things because it can be very isolating because you can't really talk about your clients to your partner, to your family and what they're going through. So you're kind of alone somewhat in that experience. So I think connecting with other therapists is huge. Um, that's really helped me. And how do you think that has impacted like people who are in a private practice or who kind of are by themselves? Because mm -hmm. um, you are at the at a school and it has sort of like a built in mm -hmm. system where you have a lot of colleagues um, and like a built in supervisor, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be really difficult. Um, I would hope that um, people in private practice or on their own would find ways to connect with other people, whether that be like consultation groups. I've joined different like Facebook groups online that are talking about like how they are getting through the pandemic as therapists, what they're using for their clients, what they're using for themselves. And so I think social media can be a really good way to like connect and not feel so alone. Well, I feel like this is a, a good example and a good reminder that even therapists need therapists, mm -hmm. you know, even even mental health professionals need a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean, like this, this is a shared lived condition that we're all going through. Like we're all experiencing it, but we're all experiencing it in a way that is very different and unique to like our living situation and like our mental health. So it is important to remember that like your therapist is a person mm -hmm. and they're probably going to go blow off steam and talk to somebody for themselves as yeah. well. And I think I really like that because it, it's like our shared humanity of like, we're all healing and helping each other. And like, there's all these interwebs and we're all connected and helping each other heal rather than just like, I'm a therapist. I have no faults or no wrongs and I'm here to heal you. I feel like it's more like collaborative and in partnership in that way. Yeah. I mean, I think how I am trained to like, I could be a therapist if I wanted to. Um, yeah. And then I like laugh. <laughs> like. <laughs> so many issues and I try to remember that like when I'm thinking about you know the people who are my cohort um and then also like my own therapist um and it's made it a lot 
easier to be more vulnerable with someone that you know is a human rather than this like all knowing mm-hmm. like perfect being who tells you mm-hmm. exactly what you should do. Right. Whereas I want an all knowing, <laughs> all perfect being <laughs> to tell you exactly what to do. <laughs> I just can you just, just give me tell the rules? Me, can you just just like fucking get to the cut to the chase? Just tell me what it is, and then like you what literally do do? know that fix it. It's like number one, like day one, it's like in therapy school, they're like, don't tell your clients what to do. That's not your job. <laughs> And they're also like the most when someone's like, what exactly should I do? I'm like, yeah, they're like, don't ever answer that question. (laughs) I mean, I don't actually expect that from a therapist, but like sometimes it would be nice for y'all to have like this magical answer. You know, like, can you just shake your magic eight ball and just like give a straight answer? And like, obviously, that's not how life works Mm -hmm. or how brains work. But like, sometimes that would be really nice and not put the work in. Yeah. I know. I would love to be able to give people the answer. (laughs) I also want to point out that like you in particular, Ragnarok, um, if someone told you what to do, what is the what is the chance of you following that advice? It was very slim to none. Slim to none. There you go. Slim to none. My my therapist currently is like, she's she's just at the stage of like, so when you know that you're feeling this way or you're having this thought, just log it. Let's talk about it. That's it. That's all she's telling me to do. She's just like, just <laughs> notice it and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay, I can do that. Okay. That's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, so you've been posting a lot of really good resources, I think, on your Facebook page, which I love following um, because it just, like, makes me feel, like, centered and calm. And um, also you post about hot dogs a lot, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, and mental t- health and oh, hot did dogs. Did you say TikToks or hot <laughs> oh, dogs? Oh, well, TikTok and hot dogs. Okay, because on my end, it sounds like <laughs> Yeah, no, it is both. Um but what has been um, the most useful thing for you to read so far, like in terms of like what the resources that you're seeing, either as a therapist or maybe like for clients? Yeah, um, a coworker shared with me the work of Kristen Neff, all the like self-compassion research. And I think that that has been really helpful. Her website has a lot of like guided exercises because um, I think what's happening a lot right now is we're having uncomfortable feelings and then we're judging ourselves for them and being really hard on ourselves for like why am I not adapting better or reacting better or any of every week for 45 <laughs> <Right>. minutes because <laughs> it's so hard it's like criticism is built into our culture and ourselves and like it makes us better in a lot of ways but it really like we're so hard on ourselves and so I think that's what I've tried to practice and like share with clients of that self-compassion piece is there a culture that doesn't have <laughs> criticism built into it? And how do I join that culture? We are starting it today, right now. <laughs> on this room call. <laughs> I would say we eat hot dogs in this culture, but I know not everyone eats meat. <laughs> You're both like, no. Also, hot dogs are gross. <laughs> they're so, no. they're so gross. I want, I want to like them. I also don't eat meat, but I want to like them. <laughs> but also, I just like, find them disgusting. We went. They um, are disgusting. <laughs> well, we went to um, up to Maine um, 
last year with one of our friends um, who has like a family home there. His mm-hmm. whole family like shares a cabin and um, they have these things called red snappers, which are not the fish, but they're <laughs> hot dogs and they're this like neon pink <gasps> and they are made from one type of um, animal intestine and then the meat inside is another animal, but the type of intestine that they use for the tubing is like it provides an extra crispy like snap they Ooh. look so disgusting you have to google <laughs> them it's I'm like intrigued a, it's like a being in maine or maybe just new new england i don't know but yeah red snappers you're welcome i'll have to take a road trip <laughs> no they come in like packs of like 100 at the grocery store in the town you're staying in so Wow. So I can stock up and have them long term. (laughs) Just snap my hot dogs. (laughs) That's terrifying. So um, on a more serious note, uh, the world is currently on fire. Yes. (laughs) Um, Like quite literally and metaphorically. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to say for a good reason. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does add a lot of extra stress. To a lot of people who feel like they need to justify their existence and so mm-hmm. on. How, like, during this time of, like, epi- like pandemic and then the world burning down, how can we manage our mental health better? Yeah. That's an amazing question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. Odd wrote it. <laughs> and I have all of the answers. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think just really, like, you're your therapist was saying was really noticing like what thoughts and emotions and feelings are coming up and when to like notice step back and like set boundaries of like how much media am I taking in? Who am I talking to about this? Um, Where am I getting my news sources from? Really kind of evaluating all the inputs and also like what we're putting out of like what messages am I saying on social media? Am I trying to center myself in all of this or am I centering the message? Um, I don't know. I wish I had more more to offer. <laughs> well, how do you like manage? So we are all, you know, white people. And mm-hmm. so how do you manage? I think there are a lot of expectations that a lot of different expectations coming from a lot of different people about what white people should be doing. And I mm-hmm. don't want to speak to that right now because it's a whole lot of nuance that I think it's very complicated. But how mm-hmm. what is something that we can do in turn like to manage like we were saying the sort of like creating boundaries, but also pushing ourselves past places that are maybe a little Mm -hmm. too comfortable. And so that way, you know, and supporting um, Mm -hmm. Black people and other marginalized peoples. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good point that we can be uncomfortable and still do hard things. Like that's not a sign that we have to stop. (laughs) That may even be a sign that we're going in the right direction. Yeah. So I think really recognizing what those feelings are and pushing outside of those boundaries and really recognizing what are our privileges, what are our lived experiences and how are they different um, from other people. And how do you, I mean, not that you have all the answers, but what would you recommend would be like a good way for people who are maybe having a difficult time recognizing the role that their privilege plays? Um, in terms of just like, I'm thinking about mentally, um, I know for me, I'm every day, I still learn something new about how my experience 
is different than someone else's and um, really trying to be empathetic and compassionate for other people. And I, you know, went to grad school for mental health, so I should probably know these things. Um, But yeah, so how do you like for both for maybe someone who's like curious, but also like I know for me, I have I have to have very difficult conversations with like my family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Mm -hmm. what are some ways we can like talk about this type of privilege or like how do you like how do you get educated on it? Something like that. Mm -hmm. I know that was a lot, but I just like. <laughs> yeah, I hopefully I can answer pieces of that. But um yeah, I think different ways to get educated on it would be um just like reading and engaging, especially with works by people of color and really learning from their experiences. I mean, I think there are obviously white people who also talk about race, but really learning about the lived experience from the people having the experience is really powerful. Um I think too of like cultural humility of I'm this view that I'm always learning about culture and I'll never reach a point where I'm completely competent and done learning. And I think that can be really daunting to people, but can it can also be like really exciting. Like there's so much for me to know. There's so much for me to learn. I'll never be done. Like that can be really exciting and propel you forward. But I can see too how we get stuck in like perfectionism and I can't do it all. So I'm just not going to do anything or I'm afraid of doing it wrong. So I'm not going to do anything. I think we need to like recognize those uncomfortable feelings and still go forward and do do the hard things. Um, I like that you say cultural well, humility. I know in social work and like a lot of mental health fields, we say cultural competence as a mm-hmm. way of saying like you need to be reflective of your own practice and like be accepting of anything that your client brings um, in terms mm-hmm. of it just being a little different. And it's always really bothered me. It's still a term that is like used very regularly you can't be competent in someone else's culture and it i think cultural humility is a really good way of saying that or just even like culturally sensitive like being sensitive that someone else's like experience is going to be different than yours um Mm -hmm. but i like humility because you're like i'm here to learn yeah i wish i could take credit for that concept but it seems like the field is like slowly moving in that direction of just like yeah, I'm a student in of the world and like always here to learn and explore. Um, well, I think also like with the humility aspect, like we're all experts in our own experience. You know, we all have our own knowledge and expertise. We've all lived our own lives and that's mm-hmm. important. But I think a lot of times like we, we are the heroes in our own story because it's our story. We're the main character. It's our point of view. It's our thoughts that are narrating what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like that type of stuff and i think it's it can be really hard for somebody who's trying to understand somebody else's story to empathize Mm. and i think a lot of that is solely from the fact that like we are trying to understand the story but like we can also maybe take a step back and go okay i don't need to understand you but i can respect what you're saying Mm -hmm. and work to learn because i think a lot of times our experience, our my personal experience will overshadow, in my opinion, your experience, because like, you're not an expert on my life. How dare you mm-hmm. say that? But we're not talking about my life. We're talking about your mm-hmm. life, you know? And I think that the humility, the, the willingness to learn, I, I wouldn't even say like necessarily a willingness to understand, but just like a willingness to listen and mm-hmm. learn is important because I'm... We can't understand everything. We can't experience everything, but we need to be willing and able 
to pay attention, hear what they're saying, and do something mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, and I think that's really important what you just said too, like the second part of like taking it the step further of like, because I think sometimes we stop at like, I can't understand what it's like to be a person of color. And then we stop there. But you're, what you said is like pushing it beyond that. Like, I can't understand. And I'm still going to do the work to try and understand and try and listen and try to empathize. <laughs> um, I just, I like have been like so angry at everyone. And my therapist mm-hmm. is always like, why are you like, like you need to be con- like, we're working on being compassionate, not just for myself, but for everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, And I think now that, um, a lot of things that I like the media that I consume is like not only covering this like horribly managed like health, public health crisis, they're also mm-hmm. um, covering all of this violence and outrage and anger and sort of like mm-hmm. stuff that Which I. Which is also a public health crisis. Oh, it is a public health crisis. But I'm, you know, going from a virus to, you know, refusing yes. to protect people. And murdering them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's there all the time, but it's just like because that now that's like all I can see um, and all that we're talking about. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be talking about it, but I just like my mental health is like not great. And I, again, mm-hmm. this is not saying like poor me. I know I'm like a very privileged human, but also like I just feel angry and really sad and like the world isn't worth it. <sighs> just want to light it all on fire okay stop therapizing odd they have their own <laughs> therapist that they pay for <laughs> i talk about this in therapy every week anyways my therapist i think my therapist let's okay i want to tell you that i have this thing and i realize now that it's like a, a thing that i apply to everyone but especially my therapist i'm like she thinks i'm bananas and is tired of listening to me talk about you this. You apply this same, to everyone. Same thing. Over and over again. <laughs> no, but I think with that, like, what people have been writing about online that has really, like, struck me and, like, what you're saying is, like, if you already have experienced trauma in any way, then the pandemic is a type of trauma. And then viewing all this police violence and everything that's happening on the news is trauma. So it's like all these layered traumas and then it's bringing up old traumas. And then because of the pandemic, we can't even get together and connect in community, which is what we try to do when we want to feel better about anything or heal from trauma. Um, so th- I mean, not to be like everything is trauma, but I th- I just keep seeing those same themes like everywhere. Oh, yeah. And it just mentioned <laughs> like someone I don't even know who it was, but someone was saying like, it's, you know, during daily life, we're kind of always like throwing ourselves into a free fall, but like then we get to interact with people or connect or do some type of engagement, some type of activity that is going to kind of stop that for a little bit and we can like kind of ground ourselves. But this pandemic and then all of this, oh, all these people of color who are being murdered and brutalized by police, like that is just, it feels like I'm in a constant free fall and I can't really catch up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just, I, not that this is my therapy, um, but I'm just trying to describe how I've been feeling because I think that it's really important mm-hmm. to talk about it because mm-hmm. not only are we seeing like police violence and marginalized peoples like be brutalized and murdered, but also there's this pandemic that's like, com- like compounding everything. 
Mm-hmm. Everything's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. You need to it talk is. more. This is your time. <laughs> I like I'm, I'm just gonna a lot. I'm just gonna keep talking about my feelings and then <laughs> Okay. Okay, oh. wait. No. I'd stop talking about your feelings. <laughs> so many. It's not, that it's not that your feelings don't matter. It's just that <laughs> this isn't what that's about. You need to pay Demanda after this interview. <laughs> I'm sweating so bad. <laughs> well, I think I, I think that like what Odd is saying is important though, because we're all we are all experiencing all these feelings and there's a lot of it that feels traumatizing and re-traumatizing and ripping open wounds that a lot of us have worked really hard to heal or like mm-hmm. just ignore yeah. um so yeah i see you raising your hand i am <laughs> um, really good at ignoring it i'm like it's not a problem anymore i'm really good at avoidance that I'm was done. like the first <laughs> that's the first thing that i told my therapist like my new therapist was just so you know i'm really good at avoiding things <laughs> um but we can't necessarily avoid things. And one of the things that I'm finding for myself is that when in quarantine, you're kind of forced to pay more attention to the things that you don't get to pay attention to on a quote unquote normal day. That's what I wanted to not, say. I just talked about myself and said, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you're not commuting to work. And like, even in your commute to work, sometimes you listen to like a snippet of the news or like you listen to a podcast or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you get to work and like, because there's so many things coming at you, you basically, you don't really get a chance to like buckle down necessarily to work, but you are forced to focus on people and problems that are right immediately in front of your face. And we don't have that in quarantine because we're home and being home, at least for me, feels like I'm now forced to pay attention to my thoughts and to everything else that I can sometimes just push to the side for like a couple of hours and be like, I have to work. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of like forced me to come up with like different coping mechanisms that may not necessarily be permanent and might mm-hmm. be like relatively maladaptive to like better ones, but you, you're in such a small space half the time. What mm-hmm. else are you going to do? Like, um, how do you, how do you take care of yourself? When you kind of relied on that socialization to forget about your shit for a minute, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point about like adapting your coping skills. Because I think at the beginning of the pandemic, it felt like it was somewhat more temporary or like we're going home for a little bit. So then it was very much trying to just fit like what was my old work like? What was my life like? And just make that fit for the pandemic, but it doesn't work. Like it's not the same at all. You don't have those social interactions. You don't have the constant distraction. And so it really is like a forced mindfulness of like you are alone with your thoughts all day <laughs> on loudspeaker. <laughs> and it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, how is yeah. how has that been for you, especially as an extra extrovert? With a non-existent oh, husband. <laughs> <laughs> your secret husband. <laughs> Yes. The beginning was super hard because I think just moving to New Jersey and not knowing like a ton of people anyway, and then being like forced into pandemic, like cut me off from my coworkers who were like the people I saw every day. So it just felt very weird of like, I don't know anyone here. Like I feel very disconnected from my family. And like in times of crisis, my first thing would be like, oh, I'd go home or I'd be with family, but I don't really have that. So I think just getting used to that 
and still knowing like I do know people in New Jersey that I could reach out to for support or like if anything happened. Um, so not to just focus on like all the people I don't have, <laughs> I think was a big thing. I think for me, I like forgot how to like use my phone to like talk to people for like two weeks. I was just like, it was I don't really know anybody obnoxious. Except for Tyler. Right. We are alone in this apartment. It's just us two. <laughs> just us. No one else. No one else right. in the world. We are the lone survivors of the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> but then I remember I brought this up to my therapist a couple of weeks ago. I have these concerns of like when whenever we get out of quarantine, I'm not gonna know how to socialize with people in person. Yes. Like it's already kind of hard for me to do in person and it takes a lot of a lot of energy and like preparation to do. Mm-hmm. But now it's like I don't have that everyday practice to pretend to be a human. So I'm back right. to just feeling like an alien around everybody. Yes. I keep thinking that I'm just gonna like cry nonstop when I see people and like not know what to do and be awkward and be sobbing and be like, I'm sorry, I'm and like be a mess. And but then I feel like there's a weird like freedom sometimes with quarantine of like now I'll take a walk around the neighborhood in my pajamas because I'm like, I don't know anyone. I don't really care. The world is burning. Why does it matter? Like I'm going to look how I want to look and (laughs) be how I want to be. There are definitely like quarantine rules like or like maybe quarantine chaos. Like people like don't follow traffic laws anymore. And Mm -hmm. the other day um, I was at Home Depot and. Some guy was putting plywood into his truck and the plywood, it was really windy and the plywood caught the wind and like flew up and then like immediately came to the ground and like broke and he just like started screaming. He was like, fuck. <laughs> and, and I was like, quarantine. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> just like there are like no rules anymore. Like people yeah. can't even follow the fucking like wear your mask rule. Mm-hmm. So I can wear pajamas. I've worn the same yes. shirt like outside and then to sleep and then more the next <laughs> <Yeah>. day. <laughs> yes. I know I saw a woman in the park the other day like singing to the pond and like to the ducks. And I think before <laughs> I would have been like, huh, like that's interesting. And then now I'm like, whatever, like sing to the <laughs> ducks, do what you want. <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, do you have any advice, though, like for people who might be by themselves? Like I can't I personally can't imagine it. I'm and I feel like Mm -hmm. horrible for people who are maybe even petless and like don't have Mm -hmm. a partner or a roommate that they're inside with all the time. Um, I mean, do you have like suggestions for people like that? Yeah, I think that's really hard. And I think those are like the clients that I talk to that like break my heart the most that are by themselves probably too because I am an extrovert so I'm like I can't even imagine or like not having that support um what some of my clients have done is like obviously connecting over like video and Skype and having different ways to connect that way um some people have done like writing letters or having a pen pal um joining like online book clubs or like different Reddit forums, kind of just any way that you can find to connect with other people. Um, And I think too, some are trying to balance too, like, is it worth maybe finding someone else I can quarantine with and like taking somewhat of that health risk, but then for your mental health, having like a partner, someone with you or a friend or 
just really anyone, um, which I think obviously each person has to balance the risks for themselves. But I know some some people are doing that also. I mean, this is slightly related, but why hasn't chat roulette come back? Right. Just saying. I mean, I knew that I know that there are a lot of gross penises on it, but you <laughs> that's could, all like, I remember from. Chat yeah, roulette. I know that's all I can remember. Like ah. <laughs> but you know, you I mean, now people. we have TikTok. That's true. <laughs> oh yes, connoisseur of TikTok. How how as you as a therapist, like how do you turn off the therapizing and just enjoy the people that you're around for just who they are without like your brain going, oh my God, is that ADHD? Oh my God, have they thought of doing this? Like, can I help them right now? Like, how do you, how do you shut off that part of your brain? Or do you even get to shut off that part of yeah. your brain? That's what, yeah. I think <laughs> it would depend like, no. on who you talk to in my life because I'm sure some people are like, you need to turn it off. Um, but I think part of it is like, it's just a lot harder with like friends of like, even if I tried to, like, I wouldn't be good at it because I don't have objectivity and like distance from the situation. And like, I don't want to do that, like in my off hours of like thinking like, why'd they do this? Why'd they do that? And if I am thinking those things, then it probably is more of like, oh, I want to be their friend or like, I want to get to know them. Um, and it's less calculate calculate it's not a great word but I feel like when you're in therapy you're constantly thinking about like what am I saying how is it impacting the person what did they just say do I want to go this way do I want to go that way like there's so much going on and so I don't like to do that I guess in personal life because it's also just not very authentic to with friends and and people and family and everyone yeah I think that's a really good way of explaining it I think not because I think I think calculated is the right word because I think that people automatically assume that when you start talking to someone who is a therapist, um, that they are automatically like diagnosing you. Mm -hmm. Whereas like mostly it's like when people like friends come to me for advice or talk about things, I have a really hard time stopping myself from like going into like therapist mode from being like, mm -hmm. so what do you think about that? Right. How is that really right. making you feel? <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you got some helpful tips from Demanda or just got to listen to her the lively giggle in the background while we talked about our feelings. <laughs> um, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can reach us at Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Growl Podcast. Um, and let us know how you're doing um, and maybe some good tips that you have gained during this pandemic. We hope you guys are staying safe and sane. And as always, don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. <laughs>